Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois. Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya here on Light of the East. So oftentimes we present the spirituality or the theology of the Eastern churches, both Eastern Catholic and, of course, shared also as well with the Eastern Orthodox churches. In other words, the Eastern lung of the church, as John Paul II referred to us as. But oftentimes, though, people will wonder or ask me, where do I go to experience this Eastern spirituality, this Eastern theology, Eastern liturgy? Well, the best place to experience it, and the emphasis is on experience. If you really want to come to know about the Eastern churches, the best thing to do is to experience them and to experience them on what is really the, the front lines of the Eastern churches, and that is our local parishes. We're honored today to have a guest here, a good friend of mine, a confrere, a peer, Father Joseph Marquis. And in fact, one of the reasons why he's here with us today is because we were on location today at Light of the East at the clergy retreat for the Eparchy of Parma. We're at the St. Mary of the Lake Seminary in Mundelein, Illinois, and we have a number of our clergy here gathered today. So I took the opportunity, for your benefit, those of you who are listening, to talk with and share with you our clergy, our pastors, so that you can come to understand even more about the Eastern churches by understanding our parishes, and especially by experiencing our parishes. So, we have today Father Joseph Marquis, and he's from Sacred Heart Byzantine Catholic Church in Livonia, Michigan. Welcome to Light of the East, Father. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. It's a pleasure to be here, Father. Father Joe, tell us first of all about yourself. You're a Byzantine Catholic priest. How long have you been a Byzantine Catholic priest, and what is your background? What, what have you bring to the priesthood? How did you discern the call, and so on? In uh, February of uh, 2011, it'll be five years I've been ordained to the mm. Presbyterate. Prior to that, I was a deacon for 20 years. I used to be the director of chaplaincy at the old Holy Cross Hospital in Detroit. Oh. Before that, I used to be a graphic designer and illustrator in a former life. Oh. <laughs> and uh, as you know, for the last, it's almost five years, uh, I've been uh, assigned to Sacred Heart Byzantine Church in Livonia. We're just on, uh, those of you who are familiar with the metropolitan Detroit area, we're just uh, between Detroit and Ann Arbor on six miles just east of Middle Belt. And um, so I just have a wonderful Parish. I think one of the appeals of our tradition, Father Tom, as you know, uh, we're a complement uh, to the Western tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not that one is superior to the other, but they do complement each other, just like opposing hands joined together mm -hmm. can be raised in prayer. Same thing with the Eastern uh, tradition. Uh, I don't see them in conflict 
they're complementary. It's just like you don't put a Mercedes grill on a BMW. It just right. simply doesn't work. It doesn't reflect the quality of the vehicles. It just was designed for different purposes. And so the same thing, uh, we uh, complement uh, the Western tradition, and we're a sister church, as you indicate so frequently during the broadcasts, uh, tracing uh, our tradition 2,000 years apostolic succession all the way up to the upper room in Jerusalem. And your parish is situated in the, uh, well, basically it's the Detroit area. It's a yes. little only, but it's actually the Detroit area. Now, that area has a number of Eastern churches. And they're called the Inn Church, called the Inn Eastern Rite Church, is, is very big there too. And we have a f- several uh, churches, Eastern Catholic churches, from our jurisdiction. That's the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic jurisdiction of the Eparchy of Parma. Now, your church is situated in a, is it a, a neighborhood area? Is it part of the big city? What is the situation? That well, you're... we're a suburban town, as you're aware, uh, but we're on a main uh, thoroughfare, if you will, a six-mile middle belt. That cross-section is very well-traveled. Uh, we do have a lot of individuals coming from Ann Arbor because of the logistics, mm. so we always say, go blue, not at the end of every liturgy, but I mean, <laughs> we show them we're friendly, uh, not to reflect anything badly on uh, the state fans out there and the Spartan fans, but we have a lot of concentration <laughs> of maize and blue. Uh, the other three parishes in our area are St. Stephen's in Allen Park, St. Nicholas in uh, Clinton Township. They just moved from Detroit, and also uh, our sister parish, uh, St. Uh, Basil's as well. So, and uh, in that situation, uh, what what are the some of the opportunities or the ways that your parish addresses the the community or evangelizes? In other words, why why would someone want to come to first of all visit or experience or to join your parish? Kind of brings to mind uh, what the emissaries of Saint Vladimir brought back. They went uh, from Kiev uh, to Constantinople to witness experience the divine liturgy mm-hmm. in Hagia Sophia. And they said uh, they didn't know if they were in heaven or on earth. All they knew that God dwells among men. Mm-hmm. And so to actually um, come to the divine liturgy is to experience, if you will, the holy mysteries in a way that may be very foreign to the uh, Western tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that things that are ineffable be left unsaid. So we mm-hmm. emphasize, as you're well aware, uh, mystery. And uh, so if you, if you love symbolism, the use of incense, uh, holy images, uh, the, uh, we get a lot of visitors from the Western tradition and also Protestants that are wondering what the Eastern Catholic Church has to offer. Mm-hmm. And uh, our parish itself, um, we have a scripture study class on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., mm-hmm. Kevin Louise Parata. Uh, both extraordinary uh, individuals. Kevin's a scripture scholar. Louise herself uh, edits um, a magazine, Word Among Us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin has published 55 books on scripture, so he's mm-hmm. very a gifted man. So they, I have them on Sunday mornings for scripture mm-hmm. class. Can My you imagine goodness. that? Wow. <laughs> you know, while I'm preparing for the Divine Lit- uh, Liturgy, they're uh, conducting scripture classes a uh, year on the the uh, Gospel of Mark. And we also have other events during the year that uh, speak about the Eastern tradition, whether it's about iconography. We had an icon uh, workshop mm-hmm. this summer. And uh, also, um, we have various other events. We had uh, Bishop Nicholas Samra, not too terribly long ago, giving a presentation on the Jesus Prayer. And we have uh, an Orthodox bookstore in our mm-hmm. conference center, Pasca Books and Gifts. Mm-hmm. And for all those in Radio Land who would be very interested, uh, the phone number is 734 422 Let's say that again. 
I'll do that again, 734-422-0278. Interestingly, it's the only Orthodox book uh, store in Michigan. And then wild. And we have it. Yes, we have it on our stage, as Ed Sullivan used to say, you know. And so it's an Orthodox bookstore in an Eastern Catholic parish, in, in other words, in your complex. That's correct. Uh-huh. That must be a, a great ecumenical opportunity as well for your parish. It's wonderful. And uh, as many of your listeners will know from listening to you over a period of time, we have so much in common with the Eastern Orthodox mm-hmm. Church. Probably about 99.9 tenths of everything is interchangeable. And I just came across a book, uh, Father Tom. A Hidden and Triumphant, a book written by Irina Yazakova, a Russian Orthodox woman, obviously. It's a phenomenal book about the underground struggle to save Russian iconography from the 19th and into the 20th century. This is a book that you got right at the bookstore. It's here. available at the bookstore at Posca Books and Gifts, yes. And why is this such a great book? Something like a fascinating title. Well, it, it gives a good overview. I was reading the foreword to the book, and in Russia, in order to author a book, you have to be seen as an expert. So it's uh, copiously um, provided with a lot of footnotes and endnotes and so forth. So if you want to really understand the history of iconography and iconology in the Russian tradition, uh, this, this is a phenomenal text, and they can just simply call Posca Books, 734-422-0278. Ask for Hidden and Triumphant. I'm sure they can order it for them if it's not already in stock. In the description of the book, it says this. It says, during the darkest years of the Soviet Union, iconographers, iconographers kept alive one of Russia's brightest lights, the icon. The 1920s to the 30s were a time of mass arrests and executions with churches demolished and defiled and monasteries disbanded, there was every reason to fear for the continued existence of the church itself. Revisionist propaganda was decimating the clergy, and authorities were waging a campaign of anti-religious sentiment in every corner of the country. Not the best time, one would think, to be painting icons. Yet, as this book said, is the iconographers that kept alive Russia's brightest lights. Well, Father Tom, in this book, uh, there's a reference that I thought it was very profound. She writes, the author, uh, Irina Yazakova, Christ made use extensively of imagery and parable. And then she cites Mark's gospel. To what should I compare the kingdom of heaven? It is like a pearl. It is like a lamp, a vineyard, a mustard seed, like a net cast into the sea. And then she goes on and she concludes, A parable is a striking image, an icon made of words, through which the realities of another world break through into our own. In another part of the text, she had a beautiful analogy. She said that in order to see the planets, the solar system, the stars, Mm -hmm. you need the help of a lens. Mm -hmm. And you can gaze through a telescope to see the small. You have to look at a microscope. You Mm -hmm. see microorganisms. And she said that an icon is a lens through which in faith we can see eternity. Hmm. That's why oftentimes it's said and it's referred to as an icon as a window into eternity. Also, I've heard there's Mm -hmm. a great uh, scholar about iconography and and art, actually, iconology. His name is Dr. Richard Snyder, who teaches at St. Vladimir Seminary in Crespin, New York. And he says that icons at the same time are, in a sense, mirrors. In other words, Mm -hmm. what's in heaven is mirrored here on earth because of the incarnation. And just as we say in our liturgy, our liturgy is basically a mirror, participation in the heavenly, the ongoing heavenly liturgy in heaven. And so, was, so icons are a window at the same time they're like a mirror. And I thought it was a, a very fascinating kind of complimentary description. So it underscores our Lord's words, the kingdom of heaven is within you. 
Absolutely. We're going to talk more about iconography, about the life experience of the Eastern Catholic Churches with our guest today, Father Joseph Marquis, who is pastor of Sacred Heart Byzantine Catholic Parish in Livonia, Michigan. Please stay with us here on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Do you have trouble with some of the teachings of the church? Well, I have good news for you. I am Father Thomas J. Loya with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. In a sense, the church has no teachings. It is God who has the teachings. It is God who created the divine order of things, and the church simply points to that order and says, be honest to that order and you will be happy. The why behind what the church says about any moral issue has to do with whether or not we are telling a truth or telling a lie with the language of our bodies. If we are honest with the language of our body, we will be holy and therefore happy. Being dishonest with the language of our bodies results in hurt and therefore unhappiness. Almighty God and the church want us all to be happy. Having a problem with church teachings really means having a problem with God and of not understanding the theology of the body. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Honored today to have with us our guest, Father Joseph Marquis. He is a pastor of Sacred Heart Byzantine Catholic Parish in Livonia, Michigan. As I mentioned earlier, we are on location here during the Eparchy of Parma's clergy retreat. And so we have a number of priests here walking around. So I just kind of grabbed Father Joe to have him on our program. He was kind of to be here on Light of the East. And Father Joe, we were talking before the break about iconography, in particular, this wonderful book that can be gotten at a bookstore, an Orthodox bookstore that is in your parish complex as an Eastern Catholic parish, which is also another wonderful testimony to progress and ecumenism. And this book is just full of all kinds of insights into how the image of the icon help to actually literally preserve the faith of the Russian Orthodox Church during the time of communism. And we were talking uh, before the, the break about not only windows to heaven, but as Professor Snyder was referring to, there are also mirrors where we realize the dignity we have by a common mm-hmm. baptism, that we have the ability to reflect uh, Christ through a process we call theosis, dying to self. So, and it's interesting because uh, Father Deacon Anthony Olgolnik in his book, and I know you're familiar with this one, The Illuminating Icon, mm-hmm. spoke about the need for Christians to become living kinetic you know, icons of Jesus Christ. And of course, in our tradition, we have a saying, uh, you become what you contemplate. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And so the whole idea, uh, looking upon uh, Christ with the eyes of faith, looking through that lens that leads us to eternity, looking at that mirror that reveals to us the kingdom of heaven is within us, is a way of encountering not only uh, the reality of Christ as the incarnate Son of God, the eternal word made flesh, but our own dignity in John's gospel. As everyone knows, our Lord said, I am the light of the world. But also in Matthew's gospel, he says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So this uh, idea of icons, our icons are more than a manifestation of flesh transfigured. It's a conscious decision to go beyond uh, time and space. Mm -hmm. You know, we encounter uh, eternity. Uh, the Mount of Transfiguration when Christ was revealed in glory uh, is actually the inspiration for all icons because um, Christ shone forth the light of Tabor. His face was as bright as the sun. His, his clothing was as bright as light. And, of course, he is the source of light because he is the second member of the Trinity, the eternal word of God. And the saints, we make a distinction in an iconography, the saints irradiate the light of Christ. Mm -hmm. We're not the source of the light, certainly. Just like the Mother of God, the expression in the West that the Mother of God is the moon and Christ is the sun. We reflect the, the light of Christ. And so the saints in heaven are in glory. We're encountering them in holy images in glory. And that's the reason if uh, some saint, like let's say Saint Seraphim of Sarov, who was stooped over, he'll look more glorified in his icon. They may have scenes, as in the Russian tradition, little look, look like little comic strips, if you mm -hmm. will, uh, going all the way around. Uh, they may show him in pain being attacked by uh, brigands and so forth. But in the main icon, the saints are always glorified. Right. So, so the whole point of iconography, even the style of it, yes, it, every aspect of it is to basically present the person in the eschaton. In other words, as they are sanctified, as they are transfigured, and and they are in a sense looking back at us from heaven. So we're seeing them transfigured, and that's also again the the mirroring. It's the mirroring of ourselves of what is in store for all of us, all those who will be saved and who go to heaven, and our bodies will be resurrected and reunited with our souls and transfigured, as you said. This is why, Father Joe, that like in the Eastern churches, the Feast of the Transfiguration of Christ, Transfiguration of Mount Tabor is so incredibly uh, dynamic and important in our, in our liturgical calendar. And, and as you mentioned, the, the apostles, as they're seeing Christ on Mount Tabor, they're amazed because they're seeing Christ's divinity, but they're also seeing, again, this mirror idea, they're seeing reflected in His radiation their own potential for humanness, their own destiny as a human. They're seeing what it is to actually be fully human, or even originally human, that the human person was designed by God originally to be this glorious creature that imaged him, that did irradiate his, his light. So the apostles are seeing not only Christ and his divinity, but they're seeing their own humanity, the ultimate model of their own humanity as Christ's humanity is being gloriously transfigured on Mount Tabor. And as you know, uh, Father Tom, if some of you folks don't know this, he is an iconographer himself. He's too modest to admit it, but I'll, I'll brag for him. Um, <laughs> he's familiar, uh, you know, about reverse perspective, yes. obviously. Mm -hmm. This is, I think, what's most fascinating about our tradition. Could you explain what reverse perspective is, Father? Yes. When, when you imagine a railroad track, you're standing on, on, you're literally standing on railroad tracks. You're looking down the railroad track. You picture that in your mind for a second. Two parallel rails of the track converge as they go farther away from you. In other words, they go towards the horizon line. They come almost to a point in, in, our, in our eyes, in our, in our vision. 
But in iconography, what happens is it reverses that. It makes the lines actually narrow toward you and expand as they go away from you. And the idea of that is twofold. First of all, iconography is trying to portray the life beyond. We don't see there as we've seen here. Here it's three dimension with vanishing points, parallel lines coming to a point in the distance and so on. Well, they sort of knock out that dimension and kind of make it dimensionless. Secondly, as you look at the icon, you're looking into the theology, the meaning. In other words, essentially, you're looking into heaven and the eschaton and what the icon is actually pointing towards. It's pointing towards its ultimate meaning, the ultimate meaning and destiny of all of creation. And that is this to be summed up, transfigured in Christ at the end, as Christ says, I am the beginning and the end. I am, I am all things. All things will be summed up in Christ at the, at the parousia, you know, the ultimate eschaton. And I, so iconography is already giving us a hint of that by literally inversing the perspective so that our vision does not come to a point. It doesn't narrow, it gets smaller. It, rather, it expands into eternity. It's interesting, too. For example, the icon of the nativity. Normally, as you're saying, in normal perspective, what we would anticipate perspective, the figures get smaller at the right. back. They're all the same size. Right. How does that happen? Because uh, we're encountering time and space in an instant. So we see the shepherds, we see the angels, we see the magi, and they're all as if they're bringing thrusts forward. Exactly. And of course, as you indicated, it takes our preconceived notions of what constitutes reality turns them completely upside down. And really, when the author of this uh, book, uh, Irina Yazakova, mentions a parable as a striking image, an icon made with words, which the realities of another world break through into our own, our Lord would take a story and put a tropea turn on it, turn it upside down, all of a sudden we're surprised, we're amazed mm -hmm. by the depth he gave. So it's the same with icons. As she says, a parable is a striking image, an icon made with words. And what is an icon? An icon is the word made flesh, because if we believe that Christ truly took on a human nature, that he truly died on the cross, truly rose, that's where we find our hope. In this book, there's a whole chapter called Beauty Will Save the World, which is a classic saying in Russia. Mm -hmm. I believe Dostoevsky was famous yes, for saying that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that is true because God is true, good, and beautiful. In fact, this is even brought out a lot in, in, the, in a lot of the writings in, in the the teachings of the current Pope, Pope Benedict XVI. And what he does is he talks about the true, the good, and the beautiful. Mm -hmm. God is beautiful. And this is what, the, what iconography is trying to say, too. In fact, the whole church's liturgy is trying to say that God is beautiful. The beautiful will save us. Beauty will save us because precisely because beauty is of God. One of the beautiful things about the icon of Christ Pontecrater, it's not in all icons, but it's interesting because normally we would think Christ holding a closed book that the binding would be on the viewer's left. Because when you open a book, do you open it with the binding on the right? No, you open it on the left. But when in many icons of Christ, he's holding the book and the pages are exposed yes. to the right. And you know what's going on here, Father. Because when you read a book, you keep turning in, and the last thing you turn is the back cover. It's closed. Revelation is closed. So all these things are mm -hmm. just amazing. You know, you never come to the end of this. I mean, you know, because you're a trained iconographer, but to actually read an icon, the expression we use, mm -hmm. it does enrich our lives, no question about it. And our faith kind of underscores uh, a statement uh, made early on. I can find it here. I'm, I've got the, uh, the book uh, by uh, Iriana Yazakova, uh, Hidden and Triumphant. And, you know, you're doing these things live. An icon is the visual image 
of what is invisible. It is given to us that our understanding may be filled with its sweetness. This is St. John of Damascus. Well, Father, where can people come to experience the icons in your church and your liturgy and your parish? Where can they find out about Sacred Heart Church in Livonia? Well, you can go to our website. It's shbyzantine.com. S-H, that's B-Y-Z-A-N-T-I-N-E.com. And on that website, uh, you'll also find Pasca Books, a website. There's a little link there. You click it. And if you want to get this book, Hidden and Triumphant by Yorana Yazukova, that's how to do it. Well, thank you so much, Father, for being on our program today, Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Thank all of you for listening to Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Or hear it again, hear it again, hear it again, hear it again, for the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the east, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, CatholicRadioInternational.com.